This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to your postgame Buckeye Talk. It's almost eight o'clock in Ann Arbor. This field at Michigan Stadium is covered in snow. The sky is filled with snow. And Michigan has beaten Ohio State 42 to 27. Doug Maurice with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. Not the result that I'm not sure I'm not sure anybody expected this, Nathan. I think this is I asked a question of our tech subscribers, and we're going to use a tech subscriber survey to guide us through this postgame podcast. The question I asked was, how surprised are you at the way this Ohio State loss in Michigan went unfolded? And the choices were shocked, surprised, not that surprised, or I almost felt like I saw this coming. The, the less surprising two combined for 32% of the answers. So the most surprising accounted for 68%, 45% surprised, only 23% shocked. But yet still, I think, you know, the top two surprise answers, Nathan, led the way, 68%. Does this feel surprising to you on this last Saturday in November? Certainly elements of what Michigan did today to win this game are not surprising. There are vulnerabilities that Ohio State had that were shown over the previous 11 weeks. Absolutely. But the way that Ohio State, or I'm sorry, the way that Michigan controlled this game, absolutely surprising. Like you look back on this and I think Michigan controlled, as I said in, in the videos that we recorded, like 55 minutes of this game, you would say Michigan was in control. Michigan was the team that was setting the tone, was putting the pressure on Ohio State. That surprises me that that even under these conditions, on the road, whatever, that Ohio State's um, offensive dominance never really like reared its head and took over this game for any portion. That, that surprised me. I thought we had broken through to a place where Ohio State was just so eruptive offensively that that was going to carry the day against what seemed like the next tier down of competition, that they had put themselves in that rare air. Steven, we're going to spend a lot of time on the Ohio State defense on this podcast, but are you surprised that even on a day where the Michigan offense, especially in the last half of the game, did what it wanted to do, that the Ohio State offense did not keep up, right? It wasn't completely shut down, 
but it couldn't keep up with the Michigan offense that scored every time it touched the ball. Ohio State's offensive line got bullied today in a way that we haven't really seen it get bullied since the Oregon game. And you thought, okay, there's continuity. They've got a lot of confidence. They've played some dudes by this point. You know, CJ's feeling conf- confident back there. And then the idea that all they had to do, they didn't have to shut down Aiden Hutchinson, but they just had to keep him at bay and give CJ Stroud time. And they did none of that uh, combined with the fact that there was no running game. This was, I, 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 yes, I was expecting Michigan to disrupt some things, but I was not expecting them to just full out bully Ohio State's offensive line the way they did. The run game for Ohio State, Travion Henderson, 17 carries, 78 yards, 4.4-yard average. Overall, 30 carries for a net of 64 for the Ohio State offense. That's taking a lot of sacks into account. On the other hand, Michigan ran the ball all day, 41 carries, 297. This is this, and they're both their losses this year to Michigan and Oregon. The opposing offense averaged at least seven yards per carry, and that reared its head. I, I want to run through a lot of the things. The way that I sort of phrased it after the game is Michigan had a lot of pieces. None of us picked Ohio State to lose this game, but I feel like all week we did talk about some of the pieces that Michigan had, and almost every piece we talked about hit. That, that if you said to yourselves, well, Michigan needs to do five things to win this game. I think they did all five. Nathan, let's start with the idea. Actually, Steve, I'm going to start with you. The Aiden Hutchinson part of this, I don't, I don't want us to diminish that because this guy is going to be a top five NFL draft pick. There are people after this game talking about should he be the number one pick in the NFL draft, and he had a dominant day. He set the record with his sacks in this game for the most sacks in any Michigan season. This is what Aiden Hutchinson was capable of, and Ohio State could not stop him. We, we thought that the tackles for Ohio State had played well most of the season. They'd played well again the last two weeks, but he beat Dewan Jones multiple times today. He, I'm sure he beat Nicholas Petit-Frere. There's just some with Dewan that stayed out a little bit more, Stephen. But he's awesome, right? It, and this is one mm-hmm. of these things, again – Michigan had the best player in this game. Now we can dispute. Oh, is he really better than Garrett Wilson? Is he really... He's going to be the number one pick in the draft, maybe. Michigan had the best player in this game, and that's not normally how it goes for Ohio State, and he was a game changer. Whether you think he's the best player in this game is irrelevant because the other guys who are up in that category have to rely on somebody else. He can just go get his own, so that's what matters. He is why Michigan won the game. I understand what they did offensively, and yeah, we're going to get into all that, but what it boils down to is him setting a tone in the first quarter and getting that sack on C.J. Stroud in the red zone set the tone for how the rest of the game was going to go, and he lived back there the rest of the time, whether he was getting a sack or C.J. was escaping pressure and getting out of the pocket and finding the guys. He set a tone early. He, he did what Haskell Garrett did to Michigan State last week. He got in the backfield early, and that's what you expected from him going forward. So that, that, that was always where I was going into this week. If he is in the backfield every other play, Michigan, this is real. Now Michigan can actually go out there and win this game because you halt everything Ohio State wants to do, regardless of how good Michigan's offense is playing or not. And Nathan, we sort of going into the Purdue game sort of played up George Karloftis. It was like George Karloftis didn't make a difference. And I don't know if that made us, I don't know, not apprehensive, but it was like, well, you know, you don't want to overplay Aiden Hutchinson because last, and Aiden Hutchinson is like a step up from George Karloftis, right? This was, this was a, he wears 97, he, 
he looked like the third Bosa today. And with three sacks, he had an impact like that. Yeah, and it, I mean, he had more help up front than George Kalatas did too. I think we would say that. I think the, the, the Michigan defensive line as a whole was better than Purdue's, but but I mean, certainly, what can you argue with? I mean, he he showed up and and made himself a presence tonight. I don't know that I would go so far as to say he's the reason Michigan won this game. I think I would. We'll get into more what, what, some things that happened with Ohio State's defense, especially in the whole second half of this game. But as far as individual performances, his is the one that. In probably for Ohio State fans, maybe even more than Hassan Haskins, who had five touchdowns, I could see the Hutchinson performance standing out a little bit more because I I think one thing that's been happening in this rivalry is Ohio State's stars shine through in a way that leaves Michigan sort of longing for why don't we have that? And I think maybe that was happening a little bit for Ohio State fans tonight. And then Aiden Hutchinson came into the postgame news conference. I went to Michigan. You guys went to Ohio State. And he talked it, right? He said, we were tired of Ohio State disrespecting us. He said, you know, talking about hanging 100 and all this rah-rah stuff. And we were about it today. You know, like he was not afraid of that. So he, this was a legendary performance. Michigan fans are going to point to this. You know, it didn't strike a Heisman pose. Again, you, you find people on Twitter saying Aiden Hutchinson should get Heisman votes after something like this, right? If you are going to open your mind up to a defensive player, this was a defensive player who maybe just helped his team make the college football playoff. Michigan will play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game next week. And if Michigan wins, they'll be in. If Michigan wins, I think they might be the two seed because which is that's what we said about Ohio State. One loss Big Ten champ, I think, might be the two seed. And I think that applies to Michigan. I mean, this is one of these things – Ohio State fans, again, we, we're going to have a month to get into this. Michigan has a chance to win the national title. And that might sound crazy, except if you think, well, what are you going to do against Georgia's defense? It's like, I don't know, have a real strong identity and just control the ball and run it. And maybe, you know, the, you take the Georgia linebackers a little bit out of the game because you're just happy to get three yards of carry and move the ball down the field. That's a conversation for another day. But like this could really be a Michigan season to remember at this point. But we're talking about this game. Number two on the list. So Aiden Hutchinson's one. Number two is Mike McDonald, the new Baltimore, or excuse me, the new Michigan defensive coordinator that Jim Harbaugh took from his brother, John. By the way, double Harbaugh weekend for Ohio State and Browns fans. He did it. Jim Harbaugh said he had confidence in Mike McDonald's game plan early in the week. They had disguises. They had different packages. He said, we, we think they, I can't remember the phrasing, but Jim Harbaugh basically thought they did a good job of, of showing CJ Stroud different things and keeping him off balance. Nathan, we were sort of joking through the course of the week. Are we talking too much about this guy? No, we didn't. He made a huge difference as a coordinator hire compared to what we saw from the Michigan defense and Don Brown, especially the last two times Ohio State faced them. He helped them win the game. I thought it was pretty apparent early on that Michigan was very effectively disguising blitzes, disguising coverages. There was even a play like, and it was, it was happening even on plays that I thought didn't necessarily affect the game, a play very early on where you had two Michigan guys blitzing through the same gap, like one after the other. And I think the play happened on the other side, but I was like, Oh, like if you, if you dial that up at the right way, like that's a huge loss. And um, I mean, this game turned, I thought on, um, that that sequence at the start of the second half, Ohio State runs the ball twice. Trevon Henderson gets it the third and two, and you think, well, they're just going to run it again, and that's what they tried to do to get those two yards. And Josh Ross comes on a blitz and just takes him down. Michigan goes down and scores. So from that point on, it's an eight point game the rest of the way. That's as close as Ohio State got. 
I did think we saw some things in this game. Josh Ross was a playmaker. Hutchinson's a playmaker. Josh Ross, that linebacker. Noah Sewell, the Oregon linebacker, various Penn State linebackers we saw this year, they made plays in the run game that we have not seen Ohio State linebackers make consistently this year. We'll get into that more when we talk about the Ohio State defense, but I think I think that showed up. Josh Ross showed up, and it mattered. So Aiden Hutchinson mattered. Mike McDonald mattered. I do think, Stephen, we talked a lot. We, we got into sort of the intangible aspect of this game during the course of the week, talking about, you know, everybody for Michigan saying they now have an Ohio drill, right? They work on it. And again, the Michigan guys, every Michigan guy doubled down on this after the game. Aiden Hutchinson said it was all new this offseason. It started in January with a sign in the building that says, what are you doing to beat Ohio State today? They leaned into it. Aiden Hutchinson said, like, we, we stared them down. We weren't going to be afraid of them. Cade McNamara said, they're human too. We know that now. They won on football, Stephen, but the intangibles didn't get in their way. And while we were analyzing the football this week, I at least thought or at least wondered, were there still intangibles that would get in their way? Because they tripped over themselves enough times, especially in 2018, recently with some of the intangible stuff. But it feels like, Stephen, they, they might have gotten some of that stuff right finally in year seven of Jim Harbaugh. It clicked. I guess this year, I don't. I don't. I think the the they emphasized the rivalry. Maybe they were. They they also swore up and down all, when we went and talked to them at Big Ten Media Days that they always been emphasizing the rivalry. It just wasn't always in a public way. While with Ohio State, you're going to know exactly what we were doing here, and maybe that was a step Michigan needed to take. It didn't need to be public. It didn't just need to be something that was in the back of your mind. It needed to be something that was front and center. And you understand that you haven't won this game in 10 years and it needed to be a little bit of an obsession that we saw Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle kind of adopt when they took over as head coaches here. And so that's, that's really what it was. It was just, they're more in your face about it, which you have to be in this rivalry. And I think that more than anything else is what Harbaugh has finally accepted that some of the quirky stuff can't exist with this rivalry. I brought that up now. I would not put that in my top five reasons why Michigan won this game. But again, I I think we can't talk about how much Ohio State emphasizes it and what Jim Trestle did and what Urban Meyer did and how Ryan Day isn't from Ohio, but he leaned right into it and all the stuff they do all year. We can't talk about that from the Ohio State standpoint and then act like it matters for them, but it doesn't matter from the Michigan standpoint. So I don't think Michigan emphasized it more than Ohio State, but it felt like to me, maybe for the first time since I've covered this in in 17 years, that they emphasized it equally. And then, okay, then let's go play football, right? That it's you're not in your own head. You're not downplaying it. You're like you're revved up in the in the right way, not too much, not too little. And then it allows you to play football. And then when they played football, Nathan, Michigan was better. As you said, it's like they they're better the whole game, but they were better because they ran it. They were better because they ran it. And that is the thing, that particular aspect, nobody can be shocked by. Because Michigan ran it like this all year. And Ohio State's defense, Ohio State's linebacker play, right? I mean, we never got to the point where it was rock solid. I do think what it turned out, what they did with Kenneth Walker the third last week was a little bit of fool's gold. Because that's kind of a one-man attack and Michigan Whoa. had a three-man attack and then an offensive line that got down to business. It was cohesive. It was coherent. It was multiple. Whereas, I guess in the end, Michigan State just kind of had a dude 
and Ohio State took out the dude and got the big lead, and that was it. But again, and I tried to say this after the game last week, it wasn't just Ohio State's defense that stopped Kenneth Walker III. It was the fact that it was 28 to nothing. Like the, Kenneth right. Walker III isn't going to do anything to help you win the game at that point. Like It's over. So I, I thought that was a, a, a big part of why it, you could look at that game as progress, but it didn't prove to me that Ohio State had solved what looked like they could still be vulnerabilities with this defense. The the number that's that jumps out to me, I don't know how far you want to get into the defensive conversation right now. Like Bryson Shaw said after the game, and you could tell like a palpable frustration in his voice. I thought he gave a very his might have been the best interview that we had. He was very emotional, but also spoke pretty intelligently about what happened out there, I thought. And he said that we knew all we had to do was give the ball back to our offense. They still had confidence in the offense. The offense was moving the ball and putting up points. Maybe they didn't run the ball as well as they wanted to, but there's like 393 yards for CJ Stroud. Like they have supreme confidence in an offense. He just said, all we had to do was give them the ball. All we had to do was get off the field and they could not get off the field in the second half. This, but I had to go check this like three times. Cause I, in real time, I hadn't really noticed it to this extent. People who watch the broadcast, maybe they brought it up. Michigan lined up twice in the entire second half for a third down snap twice. It even got, did, did they have to get the third down against Ohio state? And it was on the same drive in the fourth quarter. And both times Ohio state committed a penalty that gave them the first down. So those don't even count. Michigan was zero of zero on third down in the second half. That's how they won. That's why they won this game. So let's, let's actually, before we dive, 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 dive into the defense and the way that they could not stop the Michigan run game. Let's do one more thing. That, I, that is, is an important issue, and it's all the penalties for Ohio State. And it is a part of a bigger issue, and, and this, I guess, is obvious, but I was just chatting a little bit with Landis after the game, and I'll give him credit for this point. He was just saying, like, most of the time when you see Ohio State in the Michigan game, like, you see the best of Ohio State. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, even like 2015, right? It's like Ohio State loses to Michigan State, and then they just drill Michigan. Right. It's the best of them. 2014 with the national title like out there, you kind of get the best of Ohio State. You know, 2013, for instance, is a high scoring game. But that was really more about that. All of a sudden, the Michigan offense woke up and Ohio State went toe to toe. Right. Didn't back down offensively, went toe to toe and did it right. 2016, that 2016 Ohio State team as we kind of knew the whole time was kind of flawed. And as you saw in the mission, in the Clemson game in the semifinal, they get shut out. They had some offensive deficiencies there, but they kind of played their game. They scrapped, you know, they scraped it together. They scrapped it out and they JT Barrett it and Curtis Samuel their way to a win, which was how they won that year. Right? Like they, they usually win the way they win here. And Nathan, they didn't play their best. And the penalties are part of that. But I just think you would maybe point to other aspects of the game where, you know, did they dial something special up? Did they, did somebody make an extraordinary play, right? Did anybody, Garrett Wilson made an extraordinary play. That touchdown catch, the high point on the touchdown catch, I would count that. But Garrett had one. Jackson had the catch where he, I don't even know how he caught the ball. Oh, right. Yeah, the receiver, I mean, yeah, the receivers did, receiver things you know they do that but yeah uh, to your point nobody out of the blue where you weren't Gary and Jackson do that Chris does that there was nobody that 
took that next step. Because even C.J. Stroud's stats, I mean, he 300-plus yards, 350-plus yards is just what he does at this point. Nobody did anything extra special that was going to make you – that you're going to remember four or five years from now. As That's the reason why Ohio State beat Michigan that year. And Bryson Shaw. Bryson Shaw's pick was pretty darn huge at that even, point in the game when Michigan was trying to go up 14 nothing. It was, but even he admitted it's like, I'm really just standing there reading the quarterback's eyes, and it was a pretty easy pick. But, yeah, that was I'll more give it to a- Terrible call, terrible play yes. call, terrible throw, terrible line of thinking by Michigan yes. at that point to try to even make that throw. But Nathan, like they just it didn't feel I, I think I mean, Ryan Day, did, would Ryan Day agree with that? Right. That was not the best of the Buckeyes. And that's part of it, too. We have a question that I asked, did Michigan win it or did Ohio State lose it? And we'll get to that in a second. But either way you vote on that, this was not the best of Ohio State. Yeah, and all you have to do is look at you know the the, the penalties. What was it? It was um, ten penalties for like six. I knew I knew at one point it was eight for forty, and then they committed the PI. Ten, and it was for, so ten for sixty-six, and so two for three 20. of them. Yeah, seven of them were on the offense, and the, and the three defense with the pass interference, the unsportsmanlike conduct, and the uh, offsides by still chambers. And a lot of them were small, like they were just a bunch of false starts, like five false starts in this game. But like the, the accumulation of just little things like that are, are huge in, in games like this. It's uh, I'm sure there's an analogy to the snowfall that we're watching now. Um, each one of those <laughs> is like a fat, wet snowflake falling. And then now look at the down at the ground. I mean, it's it. this offense had been so clean and so crisp. Just the, as these last two weeks, right? It just felt like this offense was on a trajectory that couldn't be interrupted to the to the extent that it was today um and as but but it, it but really I, the way michigan controlled the game in the second half was was more about what it did offensively than what Ohio State did offensively the problem is their their penalties all season come at the worst possible time to have a penalty whether it was today with the, whether the Stroud run or the, the false starts against Penn State where Travion Henderson like that loses his balance and they're at the goal line situation. Now they have to back up and kick a field goal, whether it's the holding call against their Munford against Oregon, where CJ runs for the first down, they always seem to come at a moment where, Oh, they just made a big play to keep themselves in this game or keep things alive. And it's like, no, there's laundry on the ground. So now you got to go backwards and they got to ramp up all that energy and all that momentum again. So let's answer this question. Again, I'm just saving the defensive dive for a moment. Which statement do you agree with more? Michigan won this game. Ohio State lost this game. Nathan, what would you have voted for? I'd vote Michigan won this game. Steven? Ohio State lost. 59% voted Michigan won. 41% Ohio State lost. I don't – Michigan played well, right? I think both are right. Michigan had that one terrible mistake, but Michigan did what it does – kind of at its highest level and Ohio state didn't, but I think you could see Hutchinson and McDonald force themselves into some of that stuff. And then Hassan Haskins and that offensive line sort of took control of that game in a way that Michigan had been doing most of the year. So I, I don't know that it wasn't the best of Ohio state, but I don't know that people that Ohio state fans are looking at this and saying like they gave it away, Stephen. But you voted for that. What, what, yeah. Why did you vote for that? It, I mean, it's not like a strong, like, oh, Ohio State lost this game. It's probably like 51% Ohio State lost it, 49% Michigan won it. Because Ohio State step, kept stepping on its own foot, t- toes time and time again and kind of opening doors for Michigan to walk through, and Michigan just kept walking through them. You know, but 
I mean, it's not like they were bursting onto. It's just like, hey, the offensive, the two tackles who are both, as I, I wrote earlier this week, both of those guys are top thirty in the in the country in PFF grades. Both in the top thirty, they're one of like the only two power five tackles who are like that. The offensive, the offense in general is was no no explosive plays really outside of what Garrett Wilson did for that touchdown catch. I mean, the de- the defense was kind of regressed back to what we saw against Oregon, back to what we saw against Tulsa. So it's a combination of. Michigan doing what it does, but then also taking a little bit extra because Ohio State let them do it. I mean, there's, there's every team's going to have its its mistakes over the course of a game, and when you play on the road, you are going to be you're going to be in a less favorable position for things like penalties. Your you know stuff isn't going to go your way, calls aren't going to go your way as often. That's why it's part of the reason why it's hard to win on the road. But Michigan just won. The, Michigan just flat out went out and won this game in the second half. Michigan 16 first down plays it ran in the second half. 159 yards it was averaging a first down on first down in the second half and that wasn't just Ohio State falling down and it wasn't Ohio State committing like personal fouls and things like that Michigan just went out and won this game today Michigan just beat them like I I don't know what else to say like I I think it's a clear who whether whether they won this game or whether Ohio State gave it away I did I did say this early like during warm-ups right when it was snowing and the yellow the maize yeah, yeah yellow whatever corn colored pom-poms are shaken and Michigan's running out of the tunnel and their blue uniforms. And they just like, it just looked like something, right? It, it like, it felt like something. Then when they get the ball, I thought it was the best thing for Michigan that Ohio state won the toss and deferred and, um, and Michigan marches down the field, 10 plays, 75 yards, scores a touchdown right off the bat. And it was, I just said like, if they're ever going to beat Ohio state, it would look like this. Right. The crowd is into it. It's snowing. They look confident and they just did their thing and are leading seven nothing. And then that was it. Like this was this was the formula. If if you would have checked all the boxes, what does a Michigan win look like? I think this checks almost every box. And then you run into an Ohio State defense that it turns out has really kind of been an issue to some degree all year. And perhaps a lack of offenses capable of pointing that out covered some things up. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug and Steven, we're going to be, again, just talking about this, I think, for a week. There was not a Big Ten championship game for us to cover next week. Um, We'll find out next Sunday what bowl they're going to. It feels like the Rose Bowl is very possible for them. And then we'll have to figure out how much people are interested in a Rose Bowl that potentially could be a rematch with Oregon. Oregon and Utah will play in the Pac-12 championship game on Saturday. Like a a season that after a national championship game that people thought was going to be a showdown with Georgia. Like to have a – people love the Rose Bowl, but if it's like like an Oregon repeat in the Rose Bowl, it's like, I don't know. I'll be very curious how Ohio State fans react to that. But again, we're going to have five days to dig into that. Nathan, people think this defense is a problem. I asked, in general, sort of what did you think was the biggest problem? Are you upset with any aspect of Ohio State after this loss? The choices I gave were Ryan Day, the play of young quarterback C.J. Stroud, the defense, or no, I'm not upset, Michigan just played well. 67% defense. Yes, I'm upset with the defense. 20% Ryan Day, 12% not upset, only 1% C.J. Stroud. Not a surprise on that. And then I asked this other question, Nathan, because there's some big picture stuff that we can get into now. Are you concerned about the Ohio State defense, not just for now, but for next season? Yes, 81 percent. 
no, it'll be fine next year, only 19%. Was this, were some defensive problems covered up by playing Rutgers, playing Maryland, playing Indiana and its ninth string quarterback, playing Nebraska, playing a Michigan State team that kind of just got overwhelmed and got behind the eight ball and couldn't do anything? Has Have the issues of this defense actually been here all along, or did they actually get better at stuff and then Michigan was just too good? I mean, I think that the, the last thing you're asking, I think it's possible that the answer is yes, that, that both of those things could be true, that there really was improvement over the course of the season. We saw, I think, individual players play with more confidence and more um, assertiveness and that this defense didn't look as lost later this season as it did early this year. I think that was the best way to describe that defense two, three weeks in, right? That it just, that guys didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. They had guys who didn't look like they were comfortable in their roles. And I feel like that comfort started to establish itself over the course of the year. But I had brought it up before that I had, I, that was kind of nagging at me the whole time. I was like, when are they going to finally play a team that can run the ball and what does that mean for just how that whole game plays out? Not just, you know, incursions against Ohio State's defense, but also then the fewer opportunities that's going to give the Ohio State offense and putting the pressure on them to capitalize in a way that they don't have in, in most games. You know, the, the Indiana game where you're, they're playing their walk-on four-string guy in a rainstorm, there's no real pressure on the Ohio State offense to – to, to go out there and have to keep up or go out there and replicate things. So I, I think it's, I, I understand why people's the 81% number, because I think you're at a juncture now where, you know, a change is coming or you think a change is coming. So it's just a matter of who does Ryan day hire to fix this problem or does he not make a change? Does, do you stay with Matt Barnes and, go from there? And is that creating its own problems? I think, but this is, you know, it's this, what played out this season, both losses happened to some extent for the same reason, right? Both offenses are, are ba- both losses were based on an inability to stop the run defensively. And then take that back to last season where you got so shellacked by Alabama, although it was under trying circumstances. But I think that is starting to become something that if I was a fan, I would be wondering, well, this is as good as this offense maybe can be. And it still wasn't enough because we can't until you bring the defensive level up. That's a very good point, right? Steven, like what else do you want from this offense? What else do you want? And the defense wouldn't allow it now. And it's different than Oregon, right? I do think Oregon was so early, right? Mm -hmm. We said about Oregon, well, if Trayvon Henderson had started in that game, maybe they would want, well, if CJ Stroud had more experience in that game, maybe they would have won. We found things that, were fixed on the offense that made it seem like, well, they could have made up for the defense. This was a little snowy, but otherwise this was the offense at its peak and it wasn't good enough. Michigan scored a touchdown on its final five possessions. That's what Ohio state's mm-hmm. offense is trying to keep up with. Well, but it, it, right. they just flipped it. That's what Ohio yes, state does to people. Yeah. Yes. That, at the start that, of games, Michigan did it at the close of this game. And that's the difference between this game and Oregon is that as bad as they played in that Oregon game, at some point the defense got some stops and gave the offense some wiggle room. CJ just wasn't ready to like do anything with it yet. Cause it was game two of his career. 
He seemed like he was ready to do it today. It's just the offense, the defense never gave him any wiggle room. And because what we found out was, yeah, they got better, but there were, and there are issues that were not fixable because this, it's, it, I mean, they always says that it's either coaching or it's scheme or, or, or it's personnel. And at this point in the season, if you're still having a certain problem, it's probably personnel. And listen, I mean, they're playing – their best linebacker was a running back six months ago, and their second-best linebacker, linebacker missed his entire freshman year because of COVID. And then so there's no experience back there, but also the talent level is just not where it needs to be. So you get situations like this. It doesn't matter if they're 12 games into the season and they're feeling more confident. You can be as confident as you want to be when you're playing a team who basically wants to do offensively everything that is your weakness. This is what happens. Could you argue – well, I don't know. I, some of this we're going to rewatch on film, right? Get an idea. Could you argue that Michigan had the four best defensive players in this game? I had talked early in the week last week, like, ah, David Ojabo, I don't know. I said maybe Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith are both better than him. But if you start, start putting together Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, Josh Ross, and Daxton Hill, like, are you sure there's an Ohio State defensive player better than him? Here are the drives from Michigan. Last drive of the first half, 13 plays, 82 yards. Start of the second half, three for 81, five for 78, nine for 50, no, nine for 66, and five for 53. We're not stopped. We're not stopped on the last five drives of the game. And Nathan, you said something to Matt Barnes, 0% chance Matt Barnes is the defensive coordinator of this team next year. Zero. And there's two reasons for that. One is Ohio State's defense wasn't good enough today. And the other is Michigan's was with a new young hire from the NFL. And I've joked about this. Ryan day is going to look at Mike McDonald and say, I need to go get my Mike McDonald. You know what name I have for you? Mike McDonald. He took Greg Madison and Al Washington. Why won't he go take Mike McDonald? Right. Urban Meyer hired Chris Ash in 2014 because Chris Ash, a couple years earlier, was Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, had given Ohio State a lot of problems. If you can't beat them, hire them. Now, that's not actually going to happen. But how can you look at that and say, well, I guess we'll keep the guy who was Maryland's defensive coordinator for half a year. That's his resume. He has to go get the equivalent. We talked about it all week. Is Mike McDonald the equivalent of Ryan Day on the other side of the field on the other side of the ball in this game and he was they got to go get that guy i think the hire might be just like ryan day we stood on the field after ohio state got shut out 31 to nothing and said they need i i fired tim beck in the locker room it was face after that game we knew that staff wasn't coming back like that that offensive staff and we said ah maybe they'll get chip kelly chip kelly just got fired he's friends with urban and then they got we got Ohio State hired Chip Kelly's protege, who nobody knew what his name was. So I don't I think the next Ohio State defensive coordinator is someone that nobody knows who his name is right now. But he's some assistant, you know, he's some defensive line coach in the NFL, or he's some co-coordinator. So like he's some sharp young mind that Ryan Day is going to go seek out and pay. Because when it came to designing a defense today, and we'll get into personnel in a second. When it came to designing a defense today, I don't think it was close. Mike McDonald had something ready for this game, and I don't think Ohio State's defense did. No, I think you're probably right. I I was using that as an example of like, because of all those things you just said, but because of Ryan Day's hiring history that maybe fans would have some consternation about that. I want to go back to the the question you posed about 
whether Michigan had like the best four defensive players in this game. I don't know if that's true pound for pound, but I think the way this game played out neutralized Ohio State's best defensive players in some ways. Uh, they went after Denzel Burke a couple times and got some big gains. We're not used to him giving up some of the passes he gave up. But then on top of that, I mean, again, those numbers I was reading off to you, like 16 plays for 159 yards on first down. That was 13 carries for 113 yards on first down plays in the second half. Now, 55 of those came on the big quorum run, but it's also a number that's that shrunk by they had a two-yard touchdown run, a one-yard touchdown run. So, I mean, they were averaging like 8.7 yards a carry on first down in the second half. So what does that mean? That on they're not in third down and long situations where Tyreek Smith has been feasting for the second half of the year and where, you know, Haskell Garrett has, has gotten a lot of penetration this year and caused problems in the backfield and, and Tyreek Williams and, and Jaron Cage, whoever else like this defensive line, the pressure that this defensive line created was probably, I think you would have argued either that or Denzel Burke were the best things about this defense this year. And the, the first half of that, that pressure was never really an issue in this game because Michigan was just never in third down. Michigan was controlling this game with the run. So I looked out at Ohio State starting defense, Stephen, when they took the field. And it was Zach Harrison, Jaron Cage, Jaron Vincent, Tyreek Smith, Steel Chambers, Cody Simon, Ronnie Hickman, Bryson Shaw, Marcus Williamson, Cam Brown, and Denzel Burke. And I remember looking at that, and I'm not sure why. I mean, Haskell Garrett, like, destroyed the game with the first snap of, against Michigan State last week, and he didn't start. It was like a defensive line rotation where maybe they were trying to balance it out somehow, but, like, Cage and Vincent were in with Smith and Harrison a lot of the game, and, and Garrett and somebody else were in with, like, JT and JJB. So, anyway... I looked at those 11 guys, Stephen, and I said to myself, hmm, like that's how many first round picks are out there? And that has been three three rounds. (laughs) That has been a lingering thing that was true of the Ohio State defense a year ago. It feels true again now, and it has to start not feeling true anymore. It has to. And JT and Jack Sawyer and maybe CJ Hicks as a freshman next year and a more, even more experienced Denzel Burke and Steven, they are again, a direct comparison to Michigan's defense. They are short on playmakers for a team trying to win a national championship. Right. I mean, I, I think, if that's the standard for this defense, and again, the standard for the defense to some, why should Ohio State be much better at offense than defense? Just because their head coach is an offensive guy. So it's like, why should Ohio State have Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave and Trevor and Henderson? And you say, well, where are the four equivalent guys on defense? And it's like, all right, well, maybe Denzel Brooks or Trevor and Henderson. But who are your three defensive players who are like those three receivers? I don't know why. And why is that okay? Just because Ryan Day is an offensive head coach, their defensive their defense is not living up to their own offensive standard, and it is not living up to the standard of the very best defenses in the country right now from a personnel standpoint. I don't think Denzel Burke can be their best defensive player. Not when you play in the Big Ten and you're not guaranteed to have Jahan Dotson, David Bell, Ty Fry Fogle on your schedule. It's great. It's just it's no different. Like. Jeff Okuda could not have been the best player. He can be the second best player, but you need a Chase Young. You need a dude who can just go get it on his own. 
And when you're watching, to your point, when you're watching the offense, there's at some point in the game, if somebody's not doing something where you go, man, that guy's not getting involved yet. Like I kind of said it with Garrett. It's like, man, Garrett didn't have a catch yet. And then Garrett started doing stuff. Man, where's Chris at? Chris starts doing stuff. Man, where's Travion? Travion will start doing stuff. I don't know at any point in this game where I was going, hmm, why isn't this guy doing something? And then he started doing something. It just wasn't good. And he, even with Tyreek Smith, I think he's clearly probably been their best guy this year, their most valuable guy. When he's been on the field and wrecking stuff, this defense is better. But he's not Chase Young. He's not at he that level. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. And he's not And he's not Aiden Hutchinson. And I'm not even sure if he's David Ajabo. He's not – it's not – He's pressure. He doesn't always get home. And there's a lot of reasons because of that. Some of it is getting held sometimes, but sometimes he just doesn't get home. There's nobody on this defense where when they're not doing something, you're wondering where they at. And then two seconds later, they pop up and it can't be a cornerback when you play in the big 10. So it has to be JT Tui Malau next year, or Jack Sawyer next year, or Talik Williams on the inside next year, or maybe it's CJ Hicks or maybe Steel Chambers. Now he's got a full year under his belt. Maybe he takes that next step, but it's got to be a guy who doesn't have to rely on the ball coming his way to go make a play. This is going to sound like revisionist history a little bit. And and maybe it is to some extent, but it's it's one of those things that's hard to talk about sometimes when you're when when the team you're covering is winning fifty two to seven or whatever. Like, but just how many like special defensive moments were there this year? Zach Harrison just, had one against Minnesota, and then he didn't have one again. It just I think there were players on this team that were like productive, but are they like? how many of them are, are are doing those special things? And some of them, it's because they were young. Some of it's because they were young and inexperienced, and this is kind of their first chance to, to get out there and play to the extent they did. That's not true of, of some of the defensive line guys. But so maybe that comes in time. Maybe this was a year that they get comfortable and gain confidence, and next year we see something more come through. Um, and I – and not to beat another dead horse, but I, I do wonder how this season turns out differently if Josh Proctor never gets hurt. But I also think – Bryson Shaw played – Josh Fine. Proctor's replacement yeah. made the best defensive play. Of the game. And I don't know. Yes. And to the point, Proctor, I don't know if that matters in this game as much because it wasn't Michigan, like you said before. But it wasn't like Michigan was just running for sixty yards every time they touched. They just worked their way up the field. So I, that's that's more on linebacker play than it is on a free safety trying to erase. That's it. true. That that part's true. Yes. There there is, and everything's on the table again. Ryan Day, this will be written at some point. Um, in it. In a year where Jim Harbaugh completely revamped his assistant coaching staff and brought in six new assistants, Ryan Day replaced longtime veteran defensive coordinator who had NFL experience, SEC experience, longtime Big Ten experience, Greg Madison, with like a quarterback's coach from Texas State because he was down the hall. And so Parker Fleming coached special teams, but they decided to make one of their 10 assistants, a full-time special teams coach. They have four defensive assistants and a special teams guy. They have five full-time offensive assistants for an offensive head coach. So Ryan Day needs to hire better. And like, I'm going to write that. And you guys know that I've talked about it and I've asked about it. And I'm not saying if you make a better hire than Parker Fleming, Ohio State wins this game. But if they replace Greg Madison with Mike McDonald, they might. And why didn't they? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't they? Why were, well, who, oh, Greg Madison, co-defensive coordinator with Kerry Combs. He retired. What are you going to do? You know what? I got this guy in the NFL 
who's never been a coordinator, but I think might jump at a job like this. Let's pay him some money. Let's reach. I don't know him that well, but I know he's a good coach. They went down the hall because it was easy and familiar. And I have a feeling that's going to stop. And we can't talk about Mike McDonald being a hire that made a difference and then act like a better hire from Ohio State wouldn't have made a difference because maybe it would have. Ohio State still has better players. Ohio State has four times as many five-star players as Michigan does. Ohio State has better players. Why don't they look better today? Scheme to change the scheme. Where, where, where's the difference maker on the staff right now? So Brian Hartline, again, on this offensive side of the ball, Brian Hartline, difference maker, right? Brian Hartline's a difference maker. I think Tony Alford's a difference maker. When they missed on some running back stuff, they went out and got Trevor Henderson. Tony Alford got Trevor Henderson to play well this year. Where's that on defense? Larry Johnson's been doing it for a long time, but you can't have the only difference maker on the side of the ball be a 70-year-old guy. So I think Al Washington's on the hook. I think Matt Barnes is on the hook. I think Kerry Combs is on the hook. But you know who's on the hook? Ryan Day. Because Ryan Day brought them all in. And Ryan Day inherited this offensive staff. And if he's going to be mad that Jim Harbaugh says that some people wind up on third base and think they hit a triple, well, Ryan Day got left with Greg Studrawa, Brian Hartline, Tony Alford, and Kevin Wilson, he hi- and Mickey Marotti. He hired Corey De- and then Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. He's hired Corey Dennis, Parker Fleming, Matt Barnes, Kerry Combs, and Al Washington. And they lost to Michigan today. So who's that on? So hire better people. Because guess who's hiring better people than you, Ryan Day? Jim Harbaugh. So that's real, and that is going to be an off-season thing. And this is one of those where it's you're getting by with it because you're good enough. And they won, they won the national title game last year. Listen, they lost two games this year. It's not the end of the world. But the standard's high here. And guess what's not hitting the standard? Hiring Corey Dennis and Parker Fleming because they're down the hall. When Jim Harbaugh steals a guy from his brother and he changes the rivalry. Jim Harbaugh changed the rivalry with hirings. Ryan Day decided to tread water because he thought everybody else was good enough. And here we are, 42-27. This defense is not good enough, Nathan, and it's not good enough. And I know Ryan Day says the same thing every time. Scheme coaching players or scheme coaching personnel, right? Feels like 0 for 3 right now on the defensive side of the ball. I wrote off of Madness uh, for people who follow the site earlier this week. I What we talked about on Madness about Mike McDonald, I wrote it as kind of the, the, the head of that, um, the lead of that column. And when I was looking back at Mike McDonald's career, it struck me just how unimpressive a lot of it was. Like he didn't play college football, and then he was like a GA and worked his way up there and then went, got, was an intern at the Ravens and worked his way up there to like position coach. And then now he's he's the defense like it was a bold hire. It was a bold hire. It was the exact opposite of what hiring Corey Dennis and Parker Fleming is. That is not a that that is a those are not bold hires. And listen, if their defense would have stunk this year, everybody would have said, What Jim Harbaugh hired some guy who was an intern with the Ravens five years ago to be his defensive coordinator. But guess what? When it works, you get credit for it. That's the way life works. And also, if it doesn't work, he's in the exact same position he was already in. Losing yeah. no house, that like nothing changed. In that situation. So we talked at times this year that Ryan Day felt more like a quarterback's coach. Ryan Day felt more like an offensive coordinator. Ryan Day needs to take control of this defense. And I think he will. 
I'm not, I'm not saying anything that he doesn't know himself. Right. But he tried to get by because man, he hadn't lost a regular season game. I get it. Why you rock the boat, man? This is rolling. They just knocked off Clemson. They got rid of Dabo. They played Bama for the title, man. They're, they're all good. And then, and it's not so good. So, um, cause you know what? 10 and two is kind of close to actually nine and three. So go ahead and make fun of me. Ohio state's three <laughs> years later, one game away from being nine and three. So how's that fit in your gullet? Um, I'm not yelling at the fans. I'm just yelling at like, that's what this year is. It's one of those things. It's like, it's 10 and two. Show me the good wins. Who's the best win? Nathan, who's their best win? Um, I think I their best Michigan win. State. I think their best win. Well, I think Penn State's better than Michigan State, although I guess they're win. playing right now. Michigan yeah. State beat my thing. Did they? Yeah. Really? The, even the sick, the sicked out Michigan State yeah. one? No, I guess the Michigan State's their best win. Is that their best win, Steven? Or is that empty? Is that blank? It's their best win. I just don't know if it means anything. Yeah. So anyway. It's their best win, but it's not – I mean, it's not one that – impresses anybody very much you're right 30 to 27 michigan state look at that i mean we spent a lot i don't at least i do that's we spent a lot of time this year going who is michigan state playing why are they ranked so high are they really this yeah. good kenneth walker he, he needs like 30 carries to get 115 yards they're not good and you know michigan state beat michigan it is, really state beat michigan, though, it so. is really interesting that michigan blew that game against michigan state i came out of that game thinking michigan state was a better team and you know who's by the way nathan you know who feels good about this the committee Oh, oh, oh yeah. maybe, Michigan should, maybe Michigan should have been ranked ahead of Ohio State the whole time. Forget about ranking Michigan ahead of Michigan State. So I, I, I guess I was wrong on that. I thought I thought Michigan State was more complete, but it turned out that Michigan State was doing it with smoke and mirrors a little bit. And like almost everything about Michigan was legit. Right. That this was this was all pretty real, even like the, the J.J. McCarthy wrinkles mm-hmm. that were sort of like, what are they doing? Are they building up to something? They weren't really building up to something. But like J.J. McCarthy helped them in the red zone today. Right. Like J.J. McCarthy played his role. They, you know, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corm was their number one back early in the year. Haskins is the is the secondary guy. Corm gets hurt. Haskins runs for 100 yards, like six of the last seven games, scores five touchdowns today. Hassan Haskins is a is a three-star senior man he got it done so a, a good coaching I thought I thought you saw it during a lot of the year I thought you saw good coaching from Michigan I think Nathan it's not unfair to say that Michigan outcoached Ohio State today I think that's a fair conclusion on the list of everything else that we're talking about yeah I mean they I mean they, they there was no like trickery here this was Michigan's identity. This was just Michigan's identity laid out in front of everybody today. They just doubled down on exactly the team that they are. And you could, I mean, the two games that they lost, I think you would say, because you go, go back to the Alabama game last year, you look at that and you say, all right, especially with the COVID absences, there was just a talent inequity there that Ohio State was not going to be able to catch up with, that Alabama just, what were they going to do? But both the losses this year, I think you point exactly to, you point exactly to coaching deficiencies. You point exactly what Joe Moorhead did to exploit that defense repeatedly. And you, and really both sides of the ball today, I think you would call um, coaching wins for Michigan. Out coach, out schemed, out played. Ohio State has better players, but they didn't always play like it today. Texture question Does this affect your view of Ryan Day at all? Yes, Oregon lost and now Michigan lost. There are a couple problems this season. No, he's still a great coach. 
No, still a great coach. Got 56% or 57%. Votes keep rolling in. 43% said it did affect him. I know it sounded like I'm personally angry about some of that stuff. And obviously I'm not. Ohio State deserves better than have a head coach hire guys because they're down the hall. That's all. It's a flawed process that cost them. And so, and that's first guess by me. I mean, it, it was, it's, it's. No, I don't you were out in front of it. You were out in I, front on it. I don't want to say arrogant, but it, it implies that Ohio State can win no matter what. Like, we don't need all the best people. Like, we got this. And it's like, you know what? You do need the best people. You need the best 85 players you can get. You need the 10 best assistants you can get. And you need the best head coach you can get. And I think on, in a lot of ways, Ohio State's there. Again, they're 10 and 2. But they're not, as, they're not as far along on that as they should be. And that came up today. All right, we're going to talk about what this means going forward. I don't really like the phrase going forward, and I use it all the time because it just means in the future. What this means in the future for the rivalry next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so we're going to start wrapping this up. Snow's still falling. Road's not great. Hope everybody who is driving home from the game uh, is doing so safely and without too much angst. No matter where you're coming from, I would imagine we have some listeners uh, who drove up from Ohio or from wherever for this game. So please, please, please hope everybody had safe trips home. Um, Let's do this. Ohio State has dominated this rivalry so much. How does Ohio State winning 15 of 16 years make this loss feel? Basically is, does it make it worse or does it make it better? The loss isn't as bad. It had to happen eventually. What a great 16 years for Ohio State. Or the loss is worse because it's been so long since a feeling like this. Basically split. It's always funny. It's like the exact opposite reactions. It makes it much better. It makes it even worse. And it's like right down the middle. It's 52% said it made it not as bad because Ohio State has won so much. 48% say it made it worse. Um, let's go to this. What do you think this means for the rivalry? Choices are it's a one-time blip. Ohio state will still dominate or Michigan will be more of a real threat every year. 55% say Michigan will be more of a real threat every year, that it's not a blip, that, that this is something. And again, guys, we reference this a lot. I think Alabama barely beat Auburn. They went through multiple overtimes. I think that makes Bama 10 and four against Auburn the last 14 years. And again, we know this had been 15 to 16. Like Nathan, I'm choking on my own spit here. <clears throat> Sorry, Nathan. What do you, you think get that this from means? CJ Stroud? Um, I do want to. We are going to talk about CJ before we get out of here, but I want to do what we think it, this means for the future of the rivalry. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, sorry. I was just making fun of your not being able to talk there as a CJ Stroud thing. Um, as he has another coughing attack. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, it, it's interesting to me now because Ohio State, and I, I said this when we were talking earlier this week about the value that Ohio State has in every single time it wins in this rivalry. And especially because this was always the year where we thought there might be a vulnerability, not just directly against Michigan, but in general for Ohio State. And then it seemed like they surpassed that. It seemed like with the guys who came back and what they were putting together, that 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 wasn't going to be an issue. And by because every year that they won, they kept Michigan down. They it's not just that they were still on top. They're still winning the Big Ten. They're still going to the playoff. You're keeping your rival and what is potentially, as we found out today, um, a huge threat to your dominance. 
you're keeping them down at a lower level. And now the, when they finally pull themselves up and now they felt that victory. Yeah. I think it's something that can, can definitely um, multiply in the future. And it's going to make this a, a fun for the, for the unattached, for those of us who are unattached emotionally, it makes it a very intriguing matchup now for several years going forward. I think. This is such a cop-out answer, but I want to see how Michigan plays in week one next year first, because I think this win just was perfect timing of Michigan was really experienced because they brought a lot of guys back from last year. You've got an emotional Aiden Hutchinson who's trying to get out of here with a win because his dad's got all these wins and he doesn't have any wins. Um, there's offensive scheme literally attacked everything that Ohio State had as a weakness defensively. It's snowing. It's at home. It's senior day, all this stuff. I don't know how much of this gets replicated next year, depending on who comes back and what their personnel is. I know Ohio State's going to have one of the three most talented teams in the country next year. I don't know how talented Michigan's team is. And as I wrote this week, and as we all wrote this week, as we were doing like a hardball day series, this might get out of hand as far as what the talent gap is because of the way Ohio State recruits in comparison to how Michigan recruits. So I'm not ready to say that this flips the rivalry and now this is going to be you know, competitive or the next 10 year war, any of that stuff. I think the trash talk will be the next 10 year war, but I do think that we could see a similar thing to what Jim Trestle went through. As I said, in the video, and I'll say it again here, Jim Trestle went to the national championship and then he lost in 2003 and then he never lost again. I think that's on the table because the talent gap's not going away. But Michigan has a five-star quarterback who was yeah. a wrinkle this year, who probably is going to be, I guess, Cade McNamara can come back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You've got to start J.J. McCarthy at some point. And Donovan Edwards is a much higher-rated recruit than Hassan Haskins or Blake Corum was. Mm-hmm. And they just started working him in last week. Like they, they, And they didn't have any receivers this year. Their best receiver got hurt in week one. They had no skill on the outside. Mm-hmm. They've got to improve that a little bit. So, I mean, Hutchinson's real. Some of this defensive stuff is real. They're not going to replicate Aiden Hutchinson next year, right? But mm-hmm. I also – this was not, to me – I thought 2016 was more of a peak Michigan team. That was like a really old team against a really young Ohio State team. And that's why I thought 2016 was their chance, and they went the double overtime and lost. I don't feel that to the same degree this year. I don't know – I mean, Hutchinson is a huge deal. But a lot of this stuff – some of it – I think can be replicated by Michigan. And I do think the belief matters. I think that Jim Harbaugh goes from like goofy to quirky, right? Quirky is what you call somebody when they're a little weird, but it's good. Right. And goofy is what you call it when he's a little weird, but like, you don't know what he's doing. So like uh, he's, he said almost all the same things in the post-game news conference until the thing at the end where he said, some people hit one up on third base. and think they hit a triple taking the shot at Ryan day that everyone's heard about by now, but most of it was the same, but it just like hits a little different when he's not on five against Ohio state. I mean, honestly, so Nathan or Steven, I do think right there will be some, we can't act like success doesn't have an effect on recruiting because the best teams get the best recruits because mm-hmm. the best recruits want to come play for the best teams. That's it. So this Who's has the next Zach some, in the Midwest? some effect. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not saying they're going to bail on Ohio State and stream to Michigan, but it has to matter at least a tiny bit, doesn't it? All it takes is one in this situation. So that maybe that is the answer. The next time there's a Zach Harrison when it's down to Ohio State and Michigan, 
does he go Michigan? And is it does that do it for you, right? Because okay, yeah, they got JJ McCarthy and they and they've got Donovan Edwards, which I think are good pieces, but like it's not that the offense is not what put him what put him over the top was having Aiden Hutchinson, and then you had a lower ranked guy like David Ajabo who outplayed his ranking. Basically, the Ohio State receiver room and Michigan's defensive line room, a, 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 a hidden gem in a five star became great. And now look at what happens. So I feel like Michigan can go get a Chris Olave because there's plenty of those. There's always going to be the next three star who, who uh, disproves the stars matter thing, but where's their next Garrett Wilson going to come from? That's what the question, if they can get one of those every two or three cycles, then this gets interesting. But if this is just perfect timing, then I don't know if this ever changes. And this is maybe just a blip. I do believe so. The recruiting is part of it, but Nathan, I, I just think it's going to be, I wrote that. I think it does change the rivalry just because of the belief, because they did try a little something different and how to do it. And it worked. So is that why they won? No, they won because of Asian Hutchinson in the offensive line of Hassan Haskins. But like they, they leaned into the rivalry and it paid off. And now they know what it feels like. They know how to go about it. They aren't stumbling in the dark. And I think that just has some effects, something Yes, there's a talent gap, but something else was holding Michigan back. And as we said, it's not about Michigan winning five out of 10, but can they win two or three out of 10 instead of zero out of 10? That's where I feel like a game like this makes me think maybe that's what this rivalry is headed toward. And I mean, let's not forget, like you, they knocked Ohio State off of a pedestal today. Like they knocked them off of the Big Ten dominance. Ohio State can't win the Big Ten this year. They're not even going to be in the championship game. They knocked them unless... Things get really, really weird here in the next couple of weeks. They knocked him out of the playoffs. I think that's all but assured. So they're taking them down a peg with what they did today. And I think that the win is important for head-to-head things, but those things aren't really like – that doesn't manifest itself like immediately, I don't think. I still think it's more – I'm more intrigued by what this Michigan staff now is doing – and what that means two or three years from now, because as those guys establish themselves and they keep winning, because now they're going to be on a stage, they're going to have an exposure that they have never had before in the playoff era, assuming they win the Big Ten championship game, too. Then now that I, it's, just, you know, why do some why do the guys come to Ohio State to come to Ohio State? It's not just because Ohio State wins, I think. It's because of who they have and the guys, you know, Larry Johnson and and Kerry Combs when he was the defensive backs coach, like the guys that they produce, which is why then Ohio State wins. But like producing that talent is what brings people here. So that's what I think if I was an Ohio State fan, I would like have my eyes I would I would start looking at that. Like, does this defensive staff or this whole Michigan State staff, Michigan staff start to establish itself as a place, a guy that place that can produce talent and, and, and start to close the gap with Ohio state there, because that's where they're going to start to attract those guys. All right. Before we go, I want to have some kind of CJ Stroud conversation. We did a video on the field. You guys can go find that on our cleveland.com YouTube channel. Most times after games, we hit those videos really quick and get them up. They're like mini podcasts, four or five minutes at a time. So if you're dying for the podcast, you don't have it yet. Go to the YouTube channel. It's a lot of similar discussions sometimes. It's, it's certainly we all gave CJ Stroud a pretty good grade for this game. I texted afterward. He's not going to win the Heisman. And I got at least some pushback on that. I was getting pushback while it looked like Bama was going to lose, but Bama's already going to the, to the SEC championship game, no matter what. And then Bama did win. And Bryce Young made some plays at the end of that game. 
I just thought so much of CJ's case was I'm the leader of the number one offense in the country that is headed toward the playoff. And I think all those things were important. And even though it is an absolutely wide open Heisman year, Steven, like there's just a part of me that's like, I just, he's not going to be playing next weekend when some other people yeah. are going to be playing. And I guess if Bryce Young gets his butt kicked by Georgia, then it's like, well, it wasn't good for him to play, but I don't know how far does it open the door for like an absolute out of nowhere wild card, right? I mean, does Georgia finally make a push for a defensive guy is, is, I mean, I guess is Pitt playing in the ACC championship game? I don't know, but like, are we getting, like, are we, are we getting, are we getting so weird? I just feel like Ohio state making the playoff as it is for most guys, Steven, right? I mean, like it's not necessarily a requirement, but man, if you're not Lamar Jackson, it's, it's kind of hard to get people's attention. If you're on a playoff team, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's really an uphill, but not that he won't get to New York. I just, I don't think he's going to win. I thought the next two weeks would just be Bryce Young and CJ fighting and whoever is more impressive wins the award and the other guy finishes second. And then when CJ lost and it looked like Bryce was going to lose too, I started writing both of these, no, neither one of these guys won the award this week, but, Bryce has a chance to keep playing and be on people's minds while CJ sitting in his apartment watching him play. I think Bryce just won the award today with that comeback win because he like he's the reason it happened. They scored basically 24 points in three minutes and some overtime. So I think it's just his award and all he's got to do is be normal against Georgia. I don't even know if he has to beat Georgia. I just think he has to be normal and it's his award because it, whether it's CJ's fault or not, what this boils down to is both of those guys were down big to their rivals and one guy came back and won the game and the other guy didn't. And now the other guy gets to play next week. So yeah, he's going to New York, but there's just no Avenue. He gets to win the award because as impressive as the stats were, like I said earlier, these are normal stats and they're not loud enough to carry over the next 14 days. Okay, so that's the Heisman conversation. We'll continue having that. Again, it's just going to be a weird situation. You know, is there going to be a Heisman candidate in the Pac-12 title game? Probably not. Is there going to be a Heisman candidate in the Big 12 title game? Probably not. Is there going to be a Heisman candidate in the Big 10 title game between Iowa and Michigan? I mean, unless you're trying to get people to vote for Aiden Hutchinson, you know, like probably not. It's just it's such a weird year. So I guess that is a caveat that it's such a weird year. Who knows? But it hasn't. I, I don't think it's been won yet. I think somebody, if someone goes net nuts next weekend, I don't even, I mean, like, I'm not saying Hassan Haskins is going to win the Heisman. What if Hassan Haskins has five touchdowns next week too? And he has two touch, 10 touchdowns in the last two weeks of the year. And Michigan storms into the playoff on the strength of his running game. And he just had seven out of 800 yard games to end the season. I don't know. Right. So we don't need to have to have that, have that conversation now, but I do want to have this mini conversation again. We can have it for the next 10 months. A C.J. Stroud that wins the national title and wins the Heisman Trophy is Ohio State starting quarterback next year. Like, what are you talking about? Of course he is. If he's not going to win the Heisman and they're not going to win the national title, does this increase the chances of a quarterback competition to some degree in the spring or in August, Nathan? I think, well, yes, because I think it removes that blockade that you're talking about, where it, it's it's almost, I, I don't know how you would, possibly 
<laughs> I, I think as a head coach, it would be difficult to then keep going out and recruiting quarterbacks and looking them in the eye and say, if you come here and have success, you're my guy. If a guy goes out and wins a Heisman in the national championship, and then you give the job away the next year. So it removes that blockade. But I think there was always going to be to some degree when you were getting involved in this and competing. And I also... I'm quick to remind people again, like the timetable for Quinn Ewers is still like in, it's like frozen in time. Like it doesn't really start till next spring anyway. And if he were to be here next year and just becomes the backup, that's not him behind schedule. Um, I don't think it's changed. I think CJ Stroud is starting quarterback when they play Notre Dame, but I do think the first six weeks, to be on the lookout for an idea of maybe this Caleb Williams, uh, Spencer Rattler situation where I'm not saying he's going to play as bad as Spencer was because clearly Spencer needed to be bitched. But I, I don't know if, if, if we get to pass the Toledo game and CJ's pretty good, but he hasn't taken that next step, it would it'd be a fair thing to ask Ryan Day how Quinn Ewers is doing. It's just a, it's just a, you know, it's a crazy situation. It's probably a crazy thing to be talking about right now on a day when he was 34, 49 in some iffy weather, not a blizzard, but not ideal conditions. Certainly 394 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, took four sacks, was not picked off. We thought he played pretty well, Nathan, but I don't know. Jackson Smith and Jigba. 12 targets, 11 catches. Garrett Wilson, 16 targets, 10 catches, both over 100 yards. Chris Olave, 13 targets, 7 catches, 88 yards. Like, those guys kind of did their thing, but I did think, here's the thing. Both halves started Michigan, and both halves scored a touchdown on its first drive. Ohio State, both halves on its first drive went three and out, and that mattered. And they looked a little iffy off the jump, Nathan, where – they even like had a miscommunication on the snap between CJ and Luke Whippler to start the game. And then he made a couple iffy throws and they were punting uh, right at a moment where, where Michigan had come down the field and perfectly executed to open the game. If he throws that he was pressured into, at least on one of those though, I mean, Hutchinson was bearing they had a down well-timed blitz where they yep. blitzed a safety, I think behind David Ajabo and put Nicholas Petit Frere in conflict. And he, he took the inside guy, which is what you're supposed to do, and the outside blitzer got to CJ. Agreed, agreed, and then I think Hutchinson got pressure on the third on the third down. Yeah, just wanting to differentiate between the iffy throw, like the one that Cade McNamara hit Bryson Shaw in the face Ooh. mask with. Um, so there's different levels of that. I mean, it's they just Michigan did to CJ Stroud today what Ohio State did to like Aiden O'Connell. Like, you didn't come out of that game thinking, like, oh, Purdue's quarterback play really cost them this game. He threw for a bunch of yards, and they scored points in that game. But, I mean, I, I said 16 first-down plays for 159 yards in the second half for Michigan. And they Michigan never got the third down, really. I mean, it's like they never gave C.J. Stroud a chance to win this game in the second half. This defense didn't give C.J. Stroud a chance to win this game in the second half. I thought, and we can get into this more later, but the first draw – the opening drive of the second half where they just gave it to Travion basically ran the same play three plays in a row was like the weirdest stretch of plays I've seen from Ryan day this year, because I for sure thought, okay, you took the points in the halftime because you know, you're getting the ball back. I for sure thought aggressive day was going to show his face. 
and they were going to go for it right there and just be, even if they didn't connect on it, it's a message of we're here, we're coming. It's just straight runs. And it was like the most conservative I've seen him be in a while. And I was kind of caught off guard by it. Belendis asked about it. I, so I didn't get asked about, I asked about the other stuff, but that was just weird to me. And it was, I don't want to say, what did he say? That he was just trying to get the running game going and they, they just didn't have holes, you know, the same, they didn't execute stuff. Well, they were trying to get the run game started, yada, yada, yada. But it's just, I don't want to call it waving the white flag because that's not what he was doing, but it was in that umbrella of where, where's the aggression when you have these receivers and you have this quarterback where they weren't playing bad at that point. They were playing well. They just were getting pressured a lot. couple red zone issues too, right? Settled for two field goals. Yeah. They, they had the, the last drive they went out on downs, but it, it didn't matter anymore. So I won't count that. Their other drives, they had four punts, three touchdowns and two field goals. So for the number one offense in the country, again, I, we've got to judge this offense on points, not yards, because they have had games in the Nebraska game. They had empty yards and teams are going to give them yards. That's not like in the strategy is to let Ohio state pile up yards and then not give up big plays and try to force them into missing a couple third downs. And that's your strategy. Like no one's strategy for Ohio state is like snuff them out. It's more like uh, hold on and hope, hope you can make, get a stop when you need to. So, so the yards really is not what it's about. And in three touchdowns and two field goals in the game of the year for the best offense in the country, Nathan, like is not good enough. So that's Ryan day. That's Greg Studrawa. That's Tony Alford. That's Brian Hartline. That's Kevin Wilson. And whatever portion of that is the offensive line players and some portion of that, at least a little bit is CJ Stroud. Not that he was bad, but that they needed more points and they didn't score. Him. I hate to keep coming back to this, but I think they were, Ohio State was five of 11 on third down in the second half. I think is what I'm, I'm getting here as I look back through the box score and in three of four. So they mitigated it a little bit, three or four on fourth down. So they mitigated that a little bit, but I mean, when you have to go to a, a third down 11 times in the second half and your opponent doesn't ever have to get the third down. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I still keep coming back to just the defensive shortcomings in this game and that being the, the, the undercurrent that, that swept this away for Michigan. And that is the main thing. That is where there will be changes. That is where there needs to be improvement. And it's funny to think about what we were saying at the end of last season. And it was like, they can't put these same defensive players on the field. And then some of the guys they put on the field and then some of the guys they stopped putting on the field, but the guys they replaced them with. And it's like, in the end, are we really feeling much different about the defense right now than we did when the season ended a year ago? And I don't know that we are in a very different spot because we're in a spot of not good enough and not good enough. I think in all three phases, coaching scheme and personnel. So that is the charge to get that figured out. We will be podcasting this week. We'll go back and rewatch this game. We have a a lot to dig into. Um, We have a lot to think about for the future as we talk about this team. And then uh, on next Sunday, They'll announce the playoff pairings, and then we'll figure out where Ohio State is going for its bowl game. We'll dig into that all the, all this week, too, so make sure you guys 
will have an idea of, okay, if you're trying to make plans, what's going on with this team uh, for bowl season. So make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Buckeye talk. Make sure you're, you're checking the texts at 614-350-3315. It's a 14 day free trial. And um, make sure you're listening to Buckeye talk. Cause this is where we let you know what's up. 4227. It's still snowing in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh said afterward, they'd be like, partying long into the night but i don't know if they are because it is freezing and snowing but they are happy in ann arbor and less so in columbus for Stephen means and nathan baird i'm doug Maurice, and that was buckeye talk